Yeah, good morning. That was funny, wasn't it? How many of y'all remember Full House? Remember the show? Maybe you've watched Fuller House, like the sequel, you know, all that good stuff. But uh, man, I, I love that. And everybody has a weird uncle, right? I just, I guess I have to fit that role in that. But uh, happy Mother's Day. Everybody doing well? Moms, y'all, y'all feel special today. Hopefully you're going to have some great lunch a little bit later, um, some good plans, maybe a nap. Um, man, moms are heroes. Can we just give it up for moms in the room? Yes. Uh, me, me and my wife Sloan, I always tell her she's a superhero because one minute she can be so nurturing and just like our kids get hurt. And she's like, it's okay. Come here, sweetie. And the next minute completely lose her mind. And you, you with me moms. Okay. We all do it. And my kids still love her. So, uh, it's like a ser- uh, secret superhero power in that. And, uh, so thank you moms. Also always want to recognize Uh, Moms who might deal with, uh, or ladies who deal with infertility, or maybe you've lost your mom, or maybe even had a miscarriage recently. Man, we we pray for you guys and love y'all as well. We know that struggle is hard, and especially on Mother's Day, if you've lost a parent or you have dealt with that, man, it's tough. And so lean on the Lord this morning. We're thankful that you're here. But when it comes to family, as we see this, man, family is hard, isn't it? I mean, whether it's being a parent, that's hard work. Dealing with family is hard. There's always drama. Not always, but times there's drama. And uh, so family is always hard. Me and my wife Sloan, every summer we vacation with her side of the family. And there's like 30 of us that go to the most incredible beach in all of South Carolina the Dirty Myrtle, okay? So we go there and we spend a week and there's like 30 of us in one house, four different generations. And you know, when you get with family, there's always something that happens, right? Whether it's Thanksgiving or vacation or Christmas, something, you know, you you always have like the weird uncle or whatever. And if you don't, you're probably the the family member that's weird. You just don't know about it. And uh, so we get there and I told Sloan this past summer on the way there as I wanted to try a social experiment like when we're all gathered, because we kind of do our separate, I say separate things, we're all in one house, but we do kind of breakfast and lunch at the beach and everything, but dinner's kind of like everybody get together. And I really wanted to kind of drop some controversial bombs at the dinner table and just walk away and see what happens. Have you ever tried that? Like I, I wanted, I told her, I said, I wanted to show up and there's a couple different things. You can go diff- different ways, but I, want, I wanted to show up and say, just let y'all know, Mask should be mandated. All right, see you guys. <laughs> and like just leave and just kind of see what happens from there. Have you ever tried that? Don't try it, okay? But like maybe show up and say, um, hey, um, the Gamecocks are the best team ever and just see what happens. You know, now they're, game, they're like a family full of Gamecocks, but you, you know, you want to kind of drop these grenades and just kind of see what happens because you and I know when it comes to family, everybody has an opinion, don't they? And it is like crazy. I mean, you, you bring up one thing and it is, it's like World War III at, at the dinner table. And it's just tough. Family is hard. But let's think about your family. Let's think about you and your spouse, your kids. If you have kids, maybe you're just immediate family who live underneath one, um, under, under one home, one, one roof. Now think about this. When you became a parent, for those of you who are parents, Everybody under the sun thinks they're an expert in parenting and they give you a ton of advice, right? They have an opinion about everything. Now, uh, me and my wife, our story is um, 
We, we struggled with pregnancy for about five years and through, through the Lord, we were able to adopt three children. And so in a matter of nine months, we went from zero kids to three. And those three were two-year-old, uh, two an 11-month-old, and a newborn, okay? And so we, we kind of joke and say we had PTSD that first, the first year. Not to make light of that, but it was like all a flash of, of those things. But when we became parents, everybody from everywhere came out of the woodwork and said, you need to do this. You need to, you know, people would say, use disposable diapers. And everyone would say, no, and that's harmful to the environment. Use cloth diapers. Some would say, hey, you need to go all natural with your baby food. Don't use the canned food, like processed stuff in your blender and freeze it and feed it to your kids. Use these essential oils. Use this, these natural cleaners. Don't, are you with me? Do you remember this parents? Like, hey, you should use this to discipline. You should do this for timeout. All these different opinions and advice. And while a lot of them are good, you know, and you just kind of pick like, I think this is going to, what's going to work for our family. And you kind of trial, you know, trial by error type thing, figure those things out. But at the end of the day, even though all of that stuff was great advice and great opinions, the most important thing, the most important decision that me and my wife could have made for our family is that her and I love the Lord. Now, that sounds like uberly spiritual, and I'm not just saying that because we're at church and I'm a pastor, but literally, we had to really think, okay, what's the most important thing for our kids? And it was, we want them to know that we love the Lord. That was the most important thing. Not that they have incredible grades one day and get into an awesome college or, or are the best athletes or do this and do that and all these accolades. The most important thing about them and us as a family is for us to love the Lord. And so if you think about this, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter six. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me, Deuteronomy chapter six. And um, man, for us to love the Lord, if there's anybody in scripture that really sees this and gets this, and he wasn't even a parent, was Moses. Now in Deuteronomy six, this is kind of where we are in the context of scripture in the Old Testament. If you know anything about Moses, you know Moses was born, he's Hebrew um, in nationality and his, um, they, were, they were killing Hebrews at the time and enslaved. And so his mom put him down the Nile River, he floats and Pharaoh's family adopts Moses um, into their family. And so Moses grows up with like, pretty much a silver spoon in his mouth. I mean, he was in great royalty, grows up in the kingdom of Pharaoh, one of the greatest kings of um, Egypt. And he gets to the age where then he kind of realizes, hey, the people that are enslaved, the Israelites are um, having horrible living conditions. They're working um, incredibly hard and they kind of look like me. And so he finds out, figures out I'm actually them and he's like, this is wrong. So he does something about it. He actually kills, uh, kills an Egyptian and then they're looking for his life. So he flees. And while he's kind of in this journey of fleeing, God shows up in a burning bush. Y'all have heard this story, right? Okay. God shows up in a burning bush and says, hey, I want to use you to liberate your people the Israelites. So I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to face Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. So there's a whole kind of story behind it, but eventually Moses goes and through a, a bunch of plagues, uh, Pharaoh says, get out of here, get out of Egypt. And Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt into the wilderness. And it is a 40 year journey. 
And during this for, these 40 years, the Israelites, man, they were up and down, disobeying God. They were disgruntled. They were hungry and thirsty, and they would complain and all this other stuff. And they got to the point where they literally said, hey, you know what? I think it would be better for us to be enslaved back in Egypt. Like, this is horrible. Like, Moses, where are you leading us to? And he keeps reminding them, remember, God has promised us because of our forefathers and really Abraham, we're going to go to the promised land. They're like, well, where is it? It's been 40 years. That's a long time. So they are in history. The Israelites are about to taste and see this promised land. And Deuteronomy is this incredible charge by Moses to really remind them, challenge them of what they need to do. And really in this instance, in chapter six, Moses is reminding them, do not repeat the same thing as your parents. And I'm gonna teach you, I'm charging you and challenging you with the most important thing in your life is to love the Lord. And so let's read this together. This is chapter six of Deuteronomy and you'll be tested on how to spell that later, okay? So good luck. I always mess, mess it up. So chapter six, starting in verse one, Moses says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now let's pause there before we read the next couple of verses. So think about this. The Israelites are about to taste and see this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey. Now I told the first service, I don't I don't think it was like Willy Wonka's land and there's like fountains of milk and honey. That'd be kind of crazy. But it was a metaphor of really showing that what they're about to enter into is going to be incredible. But what Moses is saying is do not let those things, the great things, good things, distract you from loving God. Keep that as the center and the core of your life and teach those things to your sons and your son's sons. And for generations to come, make sure that what I'm about to tell you is important in your life and that you can love and you can serve the Lord. Don't let the distractions of all the good things you're about to encounter, don't forget where you've come from. Because think about it, they're going from 40 years of the wilderness of like starving and like eating bread from heaven. That's kind of crazy. And now they're about to go where they have everything at their fingertips and it's gonna be this perfect utopia. It'd be very easy to be like, forget God. I'm, gonna, I'm enjoying all of this stuff over here. And Moses is like, don't do it. Love the Lord. And then he continues, verse four, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And so here's this incredible thing. This is actually called the Shema. All right, y'all say that with me. Shema, all right? So Shema is actually Hebrew for hear or listen. 
And this section right here of chapter four and five, and it's gonna continue. We're gonna look at this in the weeks ahead in this family series called Full House, that really this principle applies to all of us, whether we're married and have kids, whether we're a daughter, whether we're a son, whether we have immediate family, or we just, you know, we're just living the life for God, that this is the most important thing. And, and so much so in Judaism, this is considered, the Shema is considered one of the most important Prayers. It really is a confession of faith for um, the Israelites in this time. And it carries over so much so that we see in the New Testament, Jesus quotes it. That if you remember this, this Pharisee uh, lawyer asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, what's like the greatest commandment? And Jesus quotes this. He says, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, uh, or soul, and might. Some translations say mind or strength. And, and so um, they're interchangeable. But in this, Moses is reminding them, hey, listen, you need to keep God at the center. And the truth is that in order for you and I, for, in order for us to lead our family, to lead your family well, you must first love the Lord. Think about that. In order to lead your family well, you must love, uh, first love the Lord. This is um, a, a really important principle. That if you want your family to be well, to live well, and to succeed, maybe not in the world's definition, but to love Jesus and to love God, it's important for us to first love the Lord. And now if you think about this, it kind of brings about the question, like, how do, how do, how do I know that I love the Lord? How do, how do I know that? Because I hear people say, oh, yeah, I love God. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I love, I love God. And I think what's so important is that if we're going to understand or be able to pinpoint if I love the Lord and determine that, we really have to wrestle with and know the difference, okay, that if we're going to love the Lord, we must understand the difference between Lord and Savior. Okay, now track with me, all right? Track with me on this. Now, it's really easy to love God as our Savior. It's easy to say, you know what? I have sin in my life. I'm not perfect. God is perfect. I don't want to go to hell because of my sin. And thankfully, God sent Jesus to die in my place. He's the Savior. And I, I mean, I love God for that. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. So I love that. I love God. I love him as my savior. I'm thankful Jesus died in my place, paid my debt. That's easy. We can love God as our savior. But there's a difference between savior and Lord. And here, here's the difference. I want you to get this. That when we look to God as our savior, it is God sacrificing his son Jesus to die in our place. So he's sacrificing something for us. When you think about loving God as your Lord, it's actually upended. And what I mean by that is what it means is that when we love God as our Lord, it is us sacrificing for God. So Savior is God sacrificing for us. Lord is us surrendering and sacrificing for him. Are you following me? To say, hey, he's not just saved me, but now I'm making him Lord. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to sacrifice for him. And you know, okay, let's point out moms. I'd be dumb not to, not to talk about this on uh, Mother's Day. But moms love their family. They love their kids. And the way that you can tell that they love their family is that they sacrifice for their family. All guys should be like, amen, all right? That's so true. Moms, if you're a boy mom, 
you sacrifice by cleaning the bathroom floor after, you know, a boy mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get it. You understand. You're, no one, you didn't sign up. I can't wait to be a mom so I can clean up urine on the bathroom floor, all right? You didn't sign up for that. But you sacrifice. You sacrifice as a parent. You sacrifice sleep. I said this the first service, I said this before. I never understood, especially when I got into middle school, why my dad shopped at Walmart. Like, I made fun of him. I'm like, Dad, the Velcro shoes, they got to go, all right? They're like $9.99 at Walmart. Get you some, some Yeezys or something, you know? They didn't have Yeezys then, but, you know, get some Jordans. Do something. Be cool. And the tube socks, Dad, they got to they go. But then I realized when I became a parent, the reason my dad shopped at Walmart is so that I could get the $50 to $60 jeans at, at Abercrombie or American Eagle, you know? And it never really hit me. I was like, man, you're, why do you shop there, Dad? He was sacrificing and if you're a parent, you know that. You know that when, even when they're young, you, you sacrifice sleep and time and, you know, events and all this other stuff. And when you get older, as a parent, you do the same thing. You continue to sacrifice because you love. And the same is true in our life. That if we're going to love the Lord, it takes a sacrifice on us. We can't just be consumeristic and say, I'm just going to go to church, do my thing. Oh, that was inspirational. All right. I'll get, I'll slip a 20 in the offering play. All right. We're good to go. See you next Sunday. Man, God calls us to this love, this sacrificial love, to love him, to follow after him. And that's exactly what Moses is saying. He's saying, y'all been complaining all this time. Was, listen, this generation, don't repeat the mistakes of your parents. Love God with everything you have. As you go into a new land, you're going to be distracted. Love God with everything. And he says this in three different ways. It's very plain and simple. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart. So the first thing that God wants from you and me is our heart. He wants my heart. God wants my heart. Now, what I love about this passage, and if you study the Hebrew language, you will see the words for um, hearing and doing are essentially the same thing. So when Moses says, hear, O Israel, essentially he's saying, do this. It's not just like some recommendation that Moses is saying, hey, man, if you're feeling up to it and if you want to, and like you don't have travel sports this weekend, like you should love the Lord. He's saying, hey, this is action. This isn't a recommendation. This isn't like, hey, if you feel up to it, it is saying with everything that you have, with your heart, love the Lord with all of your heart, not just some, but all of it. Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. You know this, like our heart is instrumental in everything that we do. What is in our heart flows out of our life. If you are passionate about a certain sports team, man, it flows from your life, right? If you're passionate about a certain hobby, flies out of, uh, flies, flows out of your, out of your life. It, whatever is in here comes out. And so if your heart is devoted and saying, God has all of my heart, out of our lives, everything flows that points directly back to God and our love for him. So, if we're, full, if we're loving him, our heart is in line with that. It's making the same sense that says, hey, my heart is everything. I, I put this down because I think this, this will humble you really quick as a parent. If you want to know if you're really devoted to God, if your heart is really um, all for God, ask your kids. Ask your kids. And not like a, yeah, we go to church. Say, hey, do you think mom and dad like really love God? 
And the great thing about kids, you know this, parents, they will be brutally honest. <laughs> I remember, I, I've told you this, our first Sunday back after COVID when we shut down a little bit, and I remember I was so pumped. I'm like, finally, people in the room, and we're preaching and talking, and I'm not, you know, speaking to a camera. And I come down, I was so jazzed. I come down, and my youngest son said, Dad, I'm so glad that was over. You were getting really boring. <laughs> it's amazing, you know, how honest they will be. But literally, think about this, that as we're walking through life, as we're parenting and we're going through just, you know, all the stuff of parenting, the good, bad, and the ugly. Or maybe you're not a parent or maybe your kids are gone as you're, you're pouring into their lives still, even though they don't live at your house. Or maybe you're at your job or now you have grandkids, whatever the case may be, they're looking to you. And how you exemplify God and how you love the Lord is so important in that. And Moses is saying that transcends time. If your heart, and I'm not trying to be legalistic, I'm not saying these things are bad things, but if your heart is more consumed with, um, you know, watching sports or uh, playing travel ball or doing these other things and kind of making God secondary, kids will know that. I, I, will, I can tell you how many times, all right, and hear me out, I'm not bashing travel sports. But what I am saying is how many, when I was in student ministry, I would see kids, they would never come to church. They were always traveling here, there, everywhere, doing this, that, and the other thing. And this wasn't a priority for them. I'm not saying being legalistic, you gotta be at church every single Sunday. I'm not saying that. But I would see them and then, guess what? When they didn't make the high school team and they try to give church a chance, they didn't know anybody at church and they were just kind of, this is not normal for us and it just wasn't a priority. It wasn't important. Their devotion was somewhere else and they usually didn't have a relationship with God. And I don't know about you, but as a parent, I want my kids to see that I love the Lord, that I love God with everything that I have. And I'm going to tell you, it keeps me up at night thinking as, as a pastor that my kids, I don't want them to see someone different up here than at home. Now, they're privy to when I have intense fellowship with them, okay? They, they get to see that when I have a little come to Jesus meeting that you don't get to see. But I want it to be the real deal. I don't want them to see like you acted one way dad at church and one way at home. Like I want them to see authenticity so that when they grow up, they don't say dad was a fraud. And he says he loves God, but he really doesn't. And it goes way beyond having a sign in your kitchen that says, for me and my house, we serve the Lord. I'm saying that you love God. You are devoted and your heart is there. The second thing Moses says, Jesus repeated as well, that not only is it my heart, but God wants my soul. He wants, he wants what's in me. He wants, he wants my identity, who I am. He wants my identity to be wrapped up in God. He's the one that designed us, right? He wants us to be wrapped up in him. Not what this world says, not in my job, not in the successes of life, not in the good qualities and bad qualities or my possessions or any of those things. Man, God wants us and our identity to be firmly rooted in him. Because our friends, our jobs, our possessions, those things come and go. They change. And what I love about scripture is it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to change. And so as we root our lives in him and our identity is in him, man, it changes our perspective on stuff. You know this, like when you get married and you become a husband, your perspective on things change, right? They change. When you become a parent, your perspective is now, hey, if anybody messes with my kid, I'm, I'm going to mess with them. <laughs> you know, don't mess with my kid. I'm Papa Bear. I'm Mama Bear. 
Our perspective changed when our identity changes. And when our identity changes for Jesus, we should love God with everything that we have. And that's what Moses is saying. He's like, hey, this is, this is who you are. Your identity is in that. And that should be something that everybody sees. I mean, essentially, if we were to call five of your friends on your contact list and say, hey, tell me about this person, what would they say about you? Now, listen, I don't think I, I, you could, I would, I, you could call five of my friends. I don't think they would be like, he is so godly, <laughs> you know? All I, he just radiates Jesus, all right? I'm not saying that in a legalistic way, but what I am saying is there should be something in our lives that people recognize that our identity is not in the things of this world, but in God. That with all of our heart and with all of our soul, our identity is wrapped up in God. And then finally, he says, all of your might. So God wants my might. He wants me to give my best, to give it everything I have to follow him. And I think we're all guilty of this, myself included, that a lot of other things get my best and not my relationship with God. Good things, taking care of my family, you know, my job. You know, like, why aren't you a pastor? Isn't that kind of, no, my job and the duties of my job can sometimes, I can, I can miss things. Or maybe it's sports. Man, I'm spending more time during football season doing that instead of my relationship with God or spending time with my kids. Those of you who are in the business world, you know, you could spend a year looking at goals and meeting quotas and certain, you know, setting up a strategy of how you're going to do this. And the next year you want to get a promotion. And before you know it, we've set all of these things and our best has been at our jobs that when we get home, we're just like, hey, honey, you take care of the kids. I'm just going to watch some TV and veg out. And for us, we should be giving our family our best because we need to be giving God our best. And to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. We set goals at, at our jobs. Why don't we set goals for our family? With this, um, really imagine with the end in mind, I want my kids to do this when they leave this house. I want them to be like this when they leave this house. And so often when it comes to parenting our kids, we almost live like paycheck to paycheck. Instead of being proactive and setting those goals, say, hey, Let's give God everything and out of the overflow of giving God everything, God is giving us wisdom and patience and all of these things as we're loving him with all of our heart and all of our soul and our might, the overflow is, is impacting different avenues and aspects of our life from our kids to our coworkers. And you know, man, when you're not walking with the Lord, man, you're snapping at your kids. But man, when you had a great time of worship or Reading God's word, you have a little bit, little extra dose of patience, right? And God wants us with everything that we have to give him our best so we can give our family our best. And so that's kind of my closing question to you uh, this morning is that are you giving your family, are you giving your family your best by loving the Lord? Not Savior, Lord. Are you giving your family your best by loving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul and with all of your might. And if you don't have a family that, or maybe you don't have kids or anything, what about your coworkers? What about your friends? Do they see your commitment to God? And so maybe as, as the band's gonna play here in a second. And as we close, maybe it's just a time of commitment for you. Say, so you know what? I haven't been doing that. I just kind of play church or whatever. I come to church and throughout the week, it's just crazy busy, Dustin. You don't understand. I do understand. But are you making God a priority in your home? 
Are you making him a priority in your life? And use this as a time of commitment. And maybe, husbands, I'm just gonna be real. Maybe you wanna put your arm around your wife and say, honey, I haven't been doing that. You've been carrying the weight of spiritual stuff through the family and I need to step up. And I need, I need to take some responsibility and I'm gonna commit that this is gonna be, let's talk over lunch, let's talk later this week. Let's start making an action plan of what this looks like to lead our family to love the Lord with everything that we have. And maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with the Lord. I love that we were able to baptize and to see this commitment to say, I'm committed to Jesus. And that starts with a relationship with him. And maybe you haven't made that commitment or that step yet. I would love to talk to you. I'll be down here. You can also, um, if, you, if you're, you don't want to, you're not comfortable coming down front, we can talk later. You can also fill out the connect card and the seat back in front of you, or even we have the text option where you can text the word hope and to 319-3619 and just say, hey, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want to take this step. I would love to talk to you because as we're going to walk through this in the weeks ahead, you don't want to miss any of these weeks. This right here is foundational for every single believer to say, I'm going to love God with everything that I have. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to love you. And that all started, we see in scripture that you are love. You are the very definition of love and we love you because you first loved us. And so because of that grace, because of that great love of, your, of you and your son Jesus died on the cross, we are able to love you in return. And if we're all honest this morning, we don't give you the love that you deserve. Life gets in the way, we're distracted by things. And so God let us in this moment make a commitment to love you with everything that we have, with all of our heart, our soul, and our might. God, as we do that first in ourselves, that you would help us lead others to do the same. Whether that's in our home or at our jobs, let us commit in this moment. Say, I want to love you with everything that I have. I want to be devoted to you. I want my identity to be wrapped in you, God. And with everything that I have, I want to give my best to you and your kingdom. And that through that, lives will be radically changed, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. And so God, help, help us have that mindset as we parent and as we go to our jobs tomorrow to look to you and to look for opportunities to proclaim your name in a way that says we love the Lord. It's in your son's powerful name that we pray. Amen. Hey, let's stand up and let's close and worship together. I'll be down in the front if you would like to chat.